Welcome back to the third episode of God Doesn't Wear a Watch. After Ken graduated from college, he came back to KPC to continue with his leadership of the youth music ministry, YMM. We used to go to small churches around and outside the city to minister. It was such an awesome thing to see students as well as village people get saved. We would go out once a month on missions. Pastor Joshua Mugabe was our patron and the preacher of the group. I enjoyed every moment of it, knowing that I was a part of someone's journey to salvation was so fulfilling. You see, I wasn't bold enough to preach to non-saved people that I didn't know. I used to preach to my brothers and cousins at home who were not saved. But doing it outside my home, that was a different matter. I met a young girl called Julie in YMM. We became great friends. She was super spiritual and she knew the Bible inside out. She had a scripture for every scenario and I admired her greatly. We nicknamed her Spiritual Jew. As well as Julie, Ken and I became great friends quite first. I admired his humility immensely. Because of how gifted he was, I thought he would be very arrogant and proud. This could not have been farther from the truth. He was very kind and he treated each one of us with great respect. He had a big brown Bible that he carried with him everywhere. His Bible had several highlighted colored pages. It looked like a rainbow. I had not seen this anywhere. At my home, all the Bibles had clean pages. They were as good as new. I asked him what these highlights represented. With a smile, he said, these are scriptures that jump off the page when I read my Bible. It's how God speaks to me, he said. That left quite a strong impression on me. My friend Julie had a small book with a lock on it. She told me it was her quiet time book in which she recorded what God told her every morning at five o'clock. Julie would come to be one of my best friends to death. I was learning something new from Julie and Ken, so I wanted to be in their company all the time. They were kind and understanding to let me in on what I didn't know. Ken was easy to talk to. He was always smiling. I had never seen anyone that happy all the time. We started to share a great deal about our lives with each other. I told Ken about my salvation journey. I felt so at ease with him. I told him so much about my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wasn't judgmental at all or looked at me different. I shared with him my struggles, past and present. I told Ken so much deep stuff about myself. For some reason, I trusted he would never repeat it to anyone. He always said, I'll pray for you in that area. Had I known that he would later become my husband, there is no way I would have opened up my life to him like that. Telling him about the heartbreaks I had been through. Ah. Julie and Ken were always eager and willing to answer those Bible questions from my inquisitive mind. 
they didn't treat me with disdain. They were both very pleasant to be around. They were my Bible encyclopedia. I always left their presence equipped with several Bible verses to go back home with. These would make a part of my quiet time. I admired Julie so much. I tried waking up at 5 a.m. like her. It didn't last long. I instead started having my quiet time at night when I was fully awake. I would then say a brief prayer in the morning before having my breakfast and then going to work. Ken started dating. He would always seek my opinion or counsel. It did feel good that he trusted me. About the same time, I had a crush on somebody at church who I told Ken about, but that didn't go anywhere. Almost a year since I had started praying for my husband, I decided to take a fast of 21 days while still praying for my husband-to-be. Two weeks into my fast, my mom brought a young pastor at home to join us in prayer. The pastor had a prophetic anointing. I told him I wanted to get married. He said to me, God was still preparing me and my husband-to-be because we would serve in ministry together, so we both needed to be ready for each other and for the call of God on our lives. He went on to say that me getting married would have many major potholes, but I had to pray through because God had already established the path for me for marriage. The word ministry in his statement scared me quite a bit. Ministry, in my limited interpretation at the time, meant that I was going to be a pastor's wife that was the least thing I desired. I had heard on many occasions saved people talking ill about their pastor's wives. I felt sorry for pastor's wives. Two weeks following the prophecy, I started asking God to reveal to me who my husband-to-be was. At this time, my friend Janet and I had enrolled at the College of Business Studies for a two-year secretarial course. Janet and I would pray about marriage once a week during our break time. On the last day of my 21 days of prayer and fasting, I was feeling quite low. Before I went to bed, I talked to God and said, God, I have fasted and prayed for 21 days and you have still said nothing, revealed to me nothing. Then I remembered that prophecy from the young pastor who had been at home a week earlier. I was encouraged and then I thought to myself, okay, I'll pray for my husband, my future husband, because for sure I know I am ready. I'll pray for him to get ready. Around 6 a.m. I was drifting in and out of sleep. Then I had a vivid dream. In it, God showed me a man who was wearing a white long-sleeved shirt. His back was towards me. I asked God, who is this? And what are they doing here? I heard the voice say, that is your husband. The man turned around. It was Ken. And he was smiling. He said, hello. I woke up in shock. The dream seemed so real. It felt like I was half awake. The first words I uttered when I woke up were, that is not possible. I tried to pray, but I couldn't concentrate. 
tried reading my Bible, nothing was getting in. I rushed to school. I could not wait to tell my friend Janet. When I told Janet, she didn't seem or sound surprised. She just said, oh, okay. During our break time, Janet asked me if we should pray about Ken. I told Janet, don't waste your time because that would never happen. I think I heard wrong. My head was rattling with different reasons why my husband couldn't be Ken. Number one, I didn't have those kind of feelings for Ken. We loved each other dearly, like a brother and sister. Ken himself had told me so many, many times, and that feeling was mutual. In fact, one time he had a custom-made leather bracelet for me. It said, I love you, Sarah. While giving it to me, he said emphatically, I love you so much as a sister. And I believed him. Number two, I was several months older than Ken. This couldn't work. And in my culture, this was frowned upon. Three, he knew so much about me. All my weaknesses, struggles, these were not things I would have planned to tell a husband-to-be. Janet was a straight shooter, one of those friends to this day who are not afraid to tell me off. Janet would give me her opinion whether or not I asked for it. But she's equally celebrated me when I've done good and encouraged me when I was down. A friend for all seasons, Janet is. She said, anyway, I don't need your permission to pray about it. You have clearly made up your mind before asking God to confirm it through other godly people. Have you even asked your mom? I felt so embarrassed. I have learned or come to a conclusion that we each need a friend like Janet who is not afraid to rebuke you when you are in the wrong. I must emphasize though, it shouldn't be someone who only points out your mistakes or weaknesses. They should equally or even much more celebrate your strengths. No one should earn the right to criticize you if they haven't celebrated you first. Join me in part four of God Does Not Wear a Watch. Listen.